Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the goddamn podcast here in the goddamn room. As always, I am your host with the most, Danny M. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. And of course, thank you for your curiosity. Um, this week's a little bit, little bit easy. It's nothing crazy. It was UFC 298. What a hell of a card. Um, I got quite a few cards wrong this week. A lot of these fights were amazing, but I did get it wrong just being honest with you. But what I did get right was the main card. So we'll start at Anthony Fluffy Hernandez versus Roman Kopilov. Our boy Fluffy pulled through submission in round two. I had him by submission or TKO. Anthony Fluffy Hernandez just proved to everyone in the UFC and in the roster that he is a force at middleweight. So hopefully this means he can get one of the top five guys in the in the division. Um, Maybe just get himself a little bit closer to a title shot. He'd be a fun guy to, to see in the title fight against Drikas Duplessis um, or Drikas Duplessis, as I call him. But that would be fun to watch. Um, Roman Kopilov showed a little bit of weakness in his ground game, but he was extremely good at, at keeping it standing up. He's fantastic. Um, but Anthony Hernandez, the you know, the announcers were saying he's not the strongest. He's not the fastest. He probably isn't even the best in one particular area. But he's so gutsy, and he will continue to fight you no matter what. So definitely a huge shout-out to our boy, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, uh, the Goddamn Podcast. Of course, we absolutely support Anthony. He's an awesome dude, one of the best in the world, um, and good friend of his since he was 16, our boy Terrence Durkin. He shouted him out to me years ago, and I was like, okay. So I've been keeping an eye out for the guy for a, for a long time now. Um, the next fight, Marab Duashwili. Uh, Marab. I can never say his name correctly. I know it's Dual Lishwili, but it looks like there's the V instead of the U, so it throws me off. But Marab, phenomenal. He got hurt in the first with Cejudo throwing a nasty hook, but he overcame that and was even talking shit to Mark Zuckerberg right outside the cage. Had him in a guillotine, was like kissing his back, just all types of fun shit. And I know most people are like, it's boring because he wrestled, blah, 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 but it was a fantastic fight, you know, just something that we're definitely going to be looking forward to. Then I'm going to go off to Jeff Neal versus, well, his name is Jeff, sorry, but Geoff is how it's written. Ian Gary. Um, Ian Gary landed more strikes, but I feel like when Jeff Neal landed, he did more damage. In my mind, I had Jeff Neal up by only one round, but it was so close and it was a decision. And I did have to say to someone, like, the problem is he left that to decision. So if you do that, you're risking the judges scoring it wrong. And ultimately, that is a choice that you have to make and live with. Um, but Ian Gary, though it was boring, the cuck Ian Machado Gary, he he had a great fight. He did really good. He was very intelligent. He seemed to have respected Jeff Neal. So I, I did like that a bit. And he's down in Brazil in Shootebox with one of the best teams in the world with Diego Lima. Um, and I believe Damian Maia. So that that's definitely going to add levels to his game. In the co-main event, the Reaper. Robert Whitaker returns to the win column. He beats Paulo Costa. I thought Paulo was going to knock him out in the end of the first with that spin kick to the head. That was phenomenal. For those of you who didn't get to watch the event, go watch the highlights. They're going to be on YouTube soon, probably. Amazing fight back and forth. Robert Whitaker's calf kicks are really phenomenal. And Paulo Costa stood his ground extremely well. But I will say that I did have Paulo Costa winning um, just like the other betters, there was a prop that Costa could TKO or KO our guy, Robert Whitaker. So I did have Paula Costa winning that one, but I am happy that the Reaper got back. Um, you know, I, a lot of Robert Whitaker's style is actually something that I've tried to emulate when I train. I really want to be like Robert Whitaker. 
I'm a shorter guy for, you know, the weight classes I intend to compete at. So personally, I was happy to watch him win, but I was helping someone on their parlay um, and I got it wrong. But before we get to the main event, we got to revisit the prelims and man, man, were people salty. Um, Zhang Ming Yang beats Brenson Hibero. Sorry, Brenson, I can't say your name, but Zhang Ming Yang is an interesting prospect, really from China. And the dude hits like a freight train. I mean, he hit Brenson. My guy folded. I'm serious. It looked like, you know, when you put too much syrup on a pancake, you can't get it up and it just flops back down. Exactly what he looked like. He got knocked the fuck out. In the Bantamweight division, we had Rinya Nakamura, a high-level prospect from Japan who trains with um, Iminari. Those of you who are not familiar with jiu-jitsu, Iminari is a, if you hear somebody say use an Iminari role, that guy made that really popular. He was really good at the leg walking game. Phenomenal jiu-jitsu player himself from Japan. Um, and I believe Kid Yamamoto was this kid's next door neighbor. He's trained by a, a former Japanese MMA legend too. Excuse me. He's a former fighter, but a current Japanese legend in mixed martial arts. Excuse me. And Rinya is extremely well-trained. His wrestling was fantastic. And not for nothing, Carlos Vera did phenomenal in his fight. He just kept going for leg lock after leg lock, but he did lose by decision. Something that Carlos Vera may have to do is he may have to maybe not change camps because he's under Ryan Hall and his 50-50 and his leg locks are fantastic. But he definitely needs to add something to his striking repertoire because he can strike, which was surprising. Um According to some insider information, and even eventually they said it in the fight, that Carlos had hurt his left shoulder. So it did impact his ability to strike. It's a Taekwondo black belt, though. So his kicks were fantastic, but like you kind of you kind of need to be able to change it up with the hands. If you can't chamber your hands, you're not going to win. In my opinion, that's just me from the outside looking in. At heavyweight, we had... Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Junior Tafa, who was a late replacement for his brother, Justin Tafa, which is fucking cool. I know most people were like, oh, but he got he lost. So what, dude, you stepped up on short notice for your brother's fight and you went up against a guy that most people really will avoid. I hate to say it, but Marcos Rogerio de Lima is a guy that not a lot of guys want to fight. Esau was a tough dude, man. He's really good on the ground. I was making fun of Pesau because Pesau looks like my biological father. The dudes literally have the same body and they're both bald and they're both the same skin tone. I was dying. I was like, yo, why is my dad in there fighting right now? So that was really funny. And um, congratulations to him. He got a TKO in round two. He obliterated Junior Tafa's legs with calf kicks. And I think Joe Rogan said it. He's said it best. You need the calf kick. The calf kick is now just as important as a jab in MMA in order to have a decent run in this fight game. Of course, the main event of the card for the prelims was Amanda Lemos versus Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern, um, amazing Brazilian jiu-jitsu player, one of the best in the world, in my opinion, at her division in jiu-jitsu. But I I hate to say this, but she needs to go back to jiu-jitsu. She's not cutting it in MMA. She's 13 and 5. She's missed weight multiple times. Um, And I know that she's recently gone through a lot of changes in life, like her camp. She was under Ruka's training center. Um, and unfortunately she had to leave Ruka cause Ruka closed. For those of you who don't know, Ruka is that brand that you probably see a lot of MMA fighters and jujitsu players wear. It says RVCA. It's actually spelled Ruka. It's actually how you pronounce it. But that, that brand was sold off to a major retailer, unfortunately. So there's no heart and soul in that brand. 
something you can still purchase, um, but it just won't be the same. Um, let me see. So she went up against Amanda Lemos. Amanda Lemos dropped her several times. I mean, and just made some poor choices. Um, Mackenzie may have won one round, potentially, even though she was on her back. Excuse me. Um, man, I, I don't... Again, I don't mean to sound rude, but I think Mackenzie Dern is done in MMA. I think that this has been a good run for her, but she has to go. It's that... I don't know. Listen, if you watch that fight and you tell me what you think, because I feel like she was better when she was under the Ruka head training center and, and under, um, Lord Jesus, why can't I remember coach's name? Jason Perillo. Excuse me. Wow. That was, I'm having a brain fart this weekend. I've had several. I feel like I had an aneurysm some point this weekend because I stopped being able to talk on Friday. So just going through it. Don't worry about it, doll. I'm still here. I'm with y'all. We're still going to talk shit. We're still going to talk fights. And I, I'm, I'm happy to do this, man, even on the days when I'm tired and even when I have, like, that many brain cells. So, <laughs> yeah, Amanda Lemos looked looked very impressive. But Mackenzie Dern, on the other hand, I'm not seeing any progress in her game. Um, and for those of you who don't know the sport very well, um, Mackenzie Dern is pretty much jiu-jitsu royalty. Her father is... Um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, high level BJJ black belt, really competitive dude, super super impressive uh, Jiu-Jitsu background that she has. In my opinion, though, I don't think that MMA is going to work out for her, and it's not because she's not skilled enough or like she's not good enough. I do think that she just needs a good camp. And uh, before under Perillo, Coach Perillo had her on point. Her striking was better. He let her use her Jiu-Jitsu to a certain effect, but I just don't feel like we're going to get anything better out of Mackenzie Dern. So hopefully she goes back to BJJ where she can continue to do what she's doing. Um, and of course, before we recap the main event, um, we did have some early prelims that were impressive. I want to shout out Danny Barlow Jr. Apparently he's a junior. Danny Barlow Jr. Fought uh, Josh Quinlan. Quinlan is like a super tough dude from Hawaii. Great fighter. I mean, he's got so many skills. He's got KOTK on round three. Guys, eyes were shut. Um, but Danny Barlow Jr. from Memphis, Tennessee, shout out to them. That was a phenomenal fight. I mean, it's one of those fights that maybe doesn't get any love because of how it ended. Um, but I think it, it's one of those like it will be one of those things that Dana White would do one of those. If you don't know now, you know, segments on maybe he did it. I just don't know. But Josh Quinlan, you know, he's only like, what, two fights into his UFC career, maybe three. I have no idea. Don't quote me. But I know he's lost his last two, I believe. But that's fine, man. Like, he's still learning. And at no point was he, like, completely outmatched until, like, the very end. Danny Barlow is 8-0. So he's still at the younger part of his career. But he's an impressive specimen. He's really, really tall, lanky dude. Um, and phenomenal at what he's doing right now in, in his career. So kudos to him. Definitely want to, you know, put that out there for you guys. If you if you see Danny Barlow's name on a card, be excited, be ready, because it's going to be left hand to God on that one. So we're 12 minutes into the episode, and I did want to say, um, for those of you who are watching for the first time, or maybe this is your umpteen time and you just haven't subscribed, please like, comment, and subscribe, because it does help the channel a lot and it allows me to make some growth. As I stated in my previous videos, the only three things I'm trying to do is go heels to Jesus with my wife make content for you and train full time and potentially start vlogging. As you can see, I changed the background a little bit. And one of our fans, uh, she let me know that she wasn't happy with the background because I usually have the camera shifted a certain way. 
So I put my equipment behind me. You can actually see that I have two of my geese. Um, that's from Legends of Martial Arts. That's my rash guard. I love that rash guard. It means everything to me. I've got my training shorts. They're, they're Venom UFC shorts. <laughs> uh, my white belt is hanging there. My ringside boxing gloves. And of course, um, one of the sponsors of this video, none other than Sanable. So if you don't train martial arts or you want to try, but you think that the equipment is expensive and it can get expensive, please go to Sanable.com forward slash G-O-T-D-A-M. That's goddamn, not the one that your mother said you can't use. Goddamn, like the podcast. So go ahead, go to Sanable.com, and you can even use the promo code goddamn. And if you have Prime, it is free shipping. Again, it does help. And if you use the code, not only do you get a percentage off, but some of those sales actually go back to me as it's an affiliate link, and it will help me a lot with making, well, not just money, but content for you. Now, time for the main event and yes i'm snarling a little bit because i really don't like Ilya. there's nothing about him that i like i don't respect him i don't like him there's just a lot of shit that i don't i don't condone of his let me just break this down real quick all right Ilya's parents are from georgia which is the republic of georgia in europe that's where my favorite wines come from by the way do want to put that out there great wines if you ever get somewhere ask them for a georgian semi-sweet red you're not going to regret it it can't possibly go wrong and it cannot go bad with anything that you put it with i mean maybe chicken 50 50 but i've had it with several of my meals i love it and i'm not constituting alcoholism but i'm just letting you know what it is but Ilya's parents despite coming from georgia he was born in germany and raised in spain and he flies the Spanish flag. And for those of you who don't know, I'm Dominican, first generation American. Um, Spain pretty much sent Christopher Columbus to my country. So when you hear that 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue and found America, that's a lie. He found Dominican Republic. And not only did he find Dominican Republic, but he tricked the people from my island, took half of their food, eventually committed genocide on all of them, um, raped nine-year-old Taina girls and sold them in Spain. They also put my people in cages there. And those Tainos were from my island. And so on September the 13th, which is the day that's recognized as National Spain Day, the Spaniards flaunt the wealth, the very wealth that they stole from my island, as well as all the other parts of the world that they stole our gold and, and silver from. So I don't condone Spain as, as, a, as a country, as a sovereign nation, despite being, you know, under an oligarchy. Um, I, don't, I don't really care for Spain. And that's a personal thing that I have against them. It's a bias. It's a vendetta that I have towards them. Maybe you could call it a, you know, unresolved Taino ancestral rage, but I don't, I don't like that country. I don't like what they stand for. I don't like their personality or their fake ass accent. By the way, that accent is fake. It's been proven that the, you know, the lisp is not real. And that that fake ass accent, by the way, was created because one of the former Kings of Spain was an insecure little bitch was slightly obsessed with his daughter which i think is fucking creepy but yeah we'll we'll save that for another day never mind that my point is that Ilya is very proud to be from spain despite not actually being from spain but we'll get into the semantics of it later Ilya had a good performance though i will i will give him that he looked extremely calm i was expecting him to be a little overly aggressive and get caught i had volk winning by ko in the second round um, unfortunately Volk, he had his head up a little bit and he added his chin a little too high. And then they got into an exchange and Ilya landed an amazing overhand, right? 
And then I left hook. My younger brother and I were watching the fight. And my brother was like, he didn't hit him. And I was like, yes, he did. He caught him with an overhand right as Alexander was trying to move his head back and outward into the angle. He hit his head up against the cage and that allowed Ilya to touch him, um, throw the overhand right and then threw a hook behind it. And it just put his lights out. But um, good performance by Ilya. I will give him that. That was a fantastic knockout. But now we're in the era of the Spanish douchebag. And I, I, again, I have a bias. Spaniards are douchebags to me. They always have been. I've never been friends with any of them. And the few that I know, I've only ever liked the females. And maybe that's just a bias because I, I have a thing with women where I respect them a lot. But the Spanish women, no problem. But Spanish males from Spain, not Spanish, like Spanish speaking. Yeah, I have a bias against them. And damn near all of them I've ever met. We ain't liked each other. We're not friends. And I don't intend to be friends with any of them. I don't give a shit. Call me what you want to call me. Say whatever you want to say about it. I'm just giving it to you straight up and honest. Um, But yes, Ilya Toporia is the current featherweight champion of the world. There's no disputing it. He did win by knockout. He did beat Volk. Hoping that this isn't the end for Volk. I'm not hoping to see Volkanovski get knocked out again. Um, Hopefully he doesn't lose anymore moving forward. But we could be at the end of that era. and, And altogether, he may not regain the title when he goes for the rematch. One thing I am seeing as a trend, though, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these would-be world champions don't seem to want to fight everyone, and maybe it's just me—not just as a fan, but as a guy that grew up looking at this sport and loving it. But don't you want to be the world fucking champion? Don't you want to defend your belt? Don't you want people to know you're the best? Because doesn't seem like that nowadays. Seems like the best want to fight the somewhat best, but not really the best so that they can continue to be the best. And with that in mind, I did want to say this. Ilya doesn't want the rematch with Volk. He's saying that it's past time, which is bullshit. I think if you put Ilya with someone like Max Holloway, he's going to get his ass whooped. If you put Ilya with Josh Emmett, he could knock him out again. But... In that top 10, there are so many good fights that could be made. So I do get that. But I do think that there's a part of Ilya that knows that like beating Volk once was hard enough. And it took a lot of training and it took a lot of hours. And it's probably going to be harder to do it a second time. With that being said, though, um, I I think it's going to go to his head and quick. And if you guys think so, he called out Conor McGregor right away. What a way to really ruin your own victory. What, what stupidity that is. And again, un imbécil, un, un alfabeto, 100% in alfabeto, pendejo, all the way through and through. You win the world title, you shout out the guy that used to be the world champion who hasn't fought in fucking forever and is about to go up to 185. You just look desperate. Red Panty Night and all that other bullshit is nonsense. It's just, it was great when Connor was the come up king. When you had Connor that wanted to be the world champion, that wanted to be the fucking best in the world. I can get that. The current Conor McGregor doesn't fight because he loves the sport. The current Conor McGregor fights because he has nothing better to do. And instead of sitting in the corner talking to the flies, I think he just wants to do something to be remembered or to get attention, to be real with you. Um, Conor McNuggets, which is what I'm going to call him moving forward until he fights, is not the guy anymore. He's lost that, that creme de la creme status a long time ago because the people that watch this sport they watch it every week. They spent all their time thinking about it. They're so excited. They pay for tickets. They watch pay-per-views. They do all of this shit, and you have what to show for it. So, yeah, with that in mind, I don't think Connor's that guy anymore. Um, let's see if he fights Michael Chandler. I hope he does. I want Mike to get that payday. He deserves it. Good guy. 
super good guy and definitely one of those guys you want to root for. Um, I think the McGregor era of just being a showboaty, loudmouth douchebag is starting to come to a close and we're starting to enjoy a little bit more of just the fights themselves. For example, a fight that I think got overlooked a lot was that Carlos Vera fight with Nakamura. They were booing, but it's like maybe you just don't understand it. And I think that anyone who boos amazing I mean, amazing groundwork is just, you're not a fan of MMA. You're a fan of kickboxing. Watch kickboxing. Watch glory. You're going to enjoy it more. I'm just telling you to save you the time. If you don't like the sport, if it's not for you, that's perfectly fine. But don't fucking watch MMA just to watch guys knock each other out. They don't always do that. That doesn't always happen. Now, if the guy is a specialist in striking, that's great. But if the other guy is a really dangerous person on the ground, you might nullify them by taking them down. Mixed martial arts is not kickboxing or boxing. It is shoot fighting. Shoot fighting means that when they have really good striking, you nullify it with grappling. And when they have really good grappling, you can sometimes nullify it with really good striking and some grappling as well. That's a shoot fight. That's how it works, kids. Sorry to tell you that. Where was I going? Oh, yeah. That's what I was going on about. During the current era of MMA, we're not seeing a lot of guys step up to fight. We're seeing a lot of dudes that are world champions running. Running from the challenge running from wanting to do this thing for a living and running from the fact that they now have some of the most dangerous people competing in their weight classes. I don't understand it. I can't claim to understand it because if, you know, you guys are fans and you were to tell someone like me, hey, go fight that guy because we think he can kick your ass, I'm going to go fight him. And if he kicks my ass, well, good day for him. Shitty for me. Oh, well. But that is from the outside looking in. From the inside, I have no idea what it is that they go through. You definitely want to win a world title once, and let me explain why. The show and win money after you win a world title is pretty, pretty fucking great. Like, you can make a quarter mil or 400 grand every time you compete, win, lose, or draw. That's that's actually great money. If you don't think so, do that shit three times a year. You've got a million dollars. That's just me. With that in mind, um, we do want to jump ahead. I know that I've been a little slow somber today i am a little somber but i'm gonna be cool melancholy feelings are gonna go away and it's all gonna get better man ufc 299 look ahead is on march 9th it's on your boy's birthday i'm excited um marlon chito vera versus sean o'malley part two second fight the first one was kind of weird how it ended but marlon definitely won that one it was close though i think this time is going to be close too um MVP, Mark, Michael Venom Page, is finally going to be joining the roster against Kevin Holland, who's a very exciting fighter. Gilbert Durinho Burns is going to be fighting on that card, so we're, of course, rooting for him. Killcliffe, as always, is going to be our team. And Rafael Dos Anjos will be competing against Matos Gamrat, which is a really hard fight because Matos is really good. Um, but I do think the legendary RDA can do this for a few more years at the highest level. I don't see him competing for a world title, but I definitely see him winning. And then looking forward to UFC 300, the main event just got announced. It's Jamal Hill versus none other than our guy, Chama, Alex Poatan Pereira, who's going to be fighting in the main event. I think that's a great main event. I know some people are a little like, oh, it's not 300 level. It is actually. The fact that this guy wants to compete, and I, I know that some fans have some shit to say about it, but. When was the last time that the light heavyweight champion was this active? Go ahead. Take a minute. Sit down. Think about it. Alex has said in the past that he didn't want to rest on his laurel, that he doesn't have a long career to go. And I'm inclined to believe him. So we definitely want to see a guy who's dominant 
we want to see a fighter who's at that level, right? Because who the fuck gives a shit about a fighter that doesn't want to fight? And we're definitely going to see a war because Jamal's uh, Sweet Dreams Hill is not, it's not a sucker. I don't know why people are like, he's a lamb for the roost. And, you know, he put a sheep out there to get killed. Come on, man. You watched him fight. You watched that fight against Glover this year. And if you didn't, go on YouTube. Go watch the fight. UFC 300 is actually a pretty fucking stacked card. Yes, the main event is not what everyone wanted. But, like, dude, they did great. So Alex Pereira will defend his light heavyweight title against Sweet Dreams Jamal Hill. Then we're going to have Wei Li Zhang going up against Yan Xiaonan for the women's strawweight title. It's the co-main. It's going to be a great fight. Wei Li is always fun to watch. After that, we have the BMF title at lightweight, Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway. Then we have the Charles Oliveira, Armin Sarukian fight. I'm praying to God that Charles puts Armin to sleep. He needs a reality check. His ego is ridiculous. Yidi Prohaska is going to go up against Alexander Rakic. That's going to be a great fucking fight. Calvin Cater fights the debuting featherweight Aljermaine Sterling, which I said for a long time, Aljermaine should have been fighting at featherweight. He's a huge dude, man. Like he's pretty big for the weight class at 135. After our wonderful featherweight showdown, we've got Bo Nickel, Cody Brundage, which is actually lower on the card. Excuse me. I'm reading it from top to bottom. Um, and then this is the part that I'm a little pissed off about. Just a touch. Bo Nickel versus Cody Brundage is above Davison Figueredo versus Cody Garbrandt. That might be the fight of the night. If y'all are sleeping on him, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. I'm not understanding why we're at this level. What, what the fuck is going on here? And how can a guy who's never been world champion be above one, two, three, I believe even four world champions, no, three former world champions. Um, I see that they moved Calvin and Aljamain up. I'm hoping they drop Bo under Holly Holmes versus Kayla Harrison. I'm sorry. It's not that I don't like Bo Nickel. I love Bo Nickel. Nice dude. Very cool. But guys like Davison Figueredo and Cordy Garbrandt, who were former world champions at 125 and 135, respectfully, should not be below a guy who hasn't been a world, a world champion once in MMA. Wrestling, yes. His wrestling credentials, you can't even match it. You can't come close. No one in MMA is that good. But... MMA, because that's the sport we're in now. Yeah, Davison and Cody definitely deserve to be higher up. And Holly Holm, the former world champion, also deserves to be at that level too, man. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? So after the the debacle of having Davison Figueroa and Cody Garbrandt go after, or well, before Bo Nickel slips on the scene, Holly Holm will be fighting Kayla Harrison, for those of you, again, who don't know, Kayla Harrison is the former PFL lightweight champion, I believe. She was fighting at 55 and 45. I think she struggled at 45, but she did win the PFL at 155. And she's a judo gold medalist. So I'm not sure how the fuck the math is mathing here, but we're going to leave that alone. However, they're fighting at Bantamweight. And we've all said it before, uh, an additional 10-pound weight cut when she was dying to make 145. I think this is a really fucking terrible idea. I think this is an asshole move. I think Dana and Hunter should have made this 155-pound fight for a world title. Both women would have been able to do it. Holly's not that small. She makes 35 and 45 pretty easily. So what the fuck? But that's completely up to to Kayla and Holly. And I mean, ultimately, Kayla's coaches and her team and her management. I don't know who fucked that one up, but they fumbled. But we still hope for a good fight. And I still hope she has a very healthy weight cut. Um, I don't know how she's going to do it, but she'll pull it off. She's an Olympian. Before those ladies touch down, we're going to have Sadiq Youssef versus Diego Lopez. Those of you who don't know, Diego Lopez is a Brazilian transplant who lives in Mexico. And by transplant, I mean he moved. He migrated. Um, he speaks a very strange like Spanish-Portuguese mix, but he can fight. Dude, when he hits people, 
fuck. I watched him fight in Lux, which is the Mexican promotion that he comes from. My God, that guy's a demon, bro. Tattoos are terrible, but his fighting style is phenomenal. And Sadiq Yusuf is no punk either. So that'll be at 145. We'll see how that goes before those fellas go in. Jessica Andrade will be returning against Marina Rodriguez. I did see that Marina was pretty good on the ground, very technically proficient, but Andrade has 37 career fights, a lot of fights at women's strawweight. I think she's got a knockout on like every division she's ever competed in, so that's pretty fucking scary. And, of course, the opening fight, which I think is crazy, is the opening fight, is Bobby Green versus Jim Miller. Um, again, Bobby King Green, I feel, is coming a little too early for this one, but I, I understand it's 300. He wants to be on the spectacle. Um, and Jim Miller has, I think, the most fights in UFC history and the men's division, or maybe at all time. He's an all-time leader. He's a phenomenal fucking fighter. So definitely happy that he's on the card. I just can't believe he's that low on the card, but... Hey, man, what the fuck are we going to do, right? Anyways, that is the card so far. I'm actually happy with the card. It is a stacked card. It's going to be fun. Um, let me know your predictions at the bottom there in the comments section. If you want to add any type of information on Spotify, please go ahead. Like I said, half dead, half dead, half witted, and barely half being able to speak. Maybe retarded, potentially. Don't sue me. Anyways. With that in mind, <laughs> um, I did want to, you know, put it out there that I'm looking forward to the next two cards. Not happy with how it ended last night, but, you know, congratulations to Ilya. Did win the world title. That's a fucking huge deal. And if you have any comments, please leave them in the comment section below. Let me know about this mic, too. I did uh, get a new Zoom CDM1 mic. You can actually see the box up here. And this is our new mic. It is an XLR mic. So I did upgrade a little bit for you guys just to see if you like it. If you do like it, then that lets me know that this is the right mic for the show. It also lets me know that I can buy the next three of these microphones um, for our four-man pod and for our two-man pod. So hopefully that will be our next step up in this game um, and we can put on a show for you guys even more. Um, aside from that, thank you again for your time. Thank you for your curiosity. And um, just thank you. I guess I think that's what I could really think to say. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Keep your peace. Bye.